0: With all of that stuff being said, we're going to get started with today's message and actually start a new series today called Q&A. And I want to ask a question, how many of you in here were here at some point during the last four weeks? You made it to some of the At The Movies, okay. So some of, if you don't like the questions that we got during this series that we're going to answer this morning, it's their fault. Everybody that raised their hand, that, that was their fault that we're having to do I'm just kidding. You guys gave us some great questions. Here's, here's what this series is. We work very hard to, hey, y'all look at this. <clears throat> There's the EW right here, and that's Ed Webin. This is supposed to be Ed Webin's chair. And somehow I got it, so if I don't do a too good of a job, it's because I'm sitting in his chair. There we go. All right. He should get a kick out of that. I think, I think he might have, you know, tried to throw me on their bus a couple times when I was gone, but it's all right. I can handle it. So, sorry. Hey, we work really hard at bringing and presenting messages to you guys that are helpful that are they're varied in, in different subjects. We try to present things in, in various different ways. Uh, at the Movies is a, is a prime example of how we, we, wanna, we wanna be helpful, but we also wanna have fun and do things in a way that's exciting and that we can relate to. Um, one of those ways is to tell you or ask you to give us questions just to tell us what is it that you wanna know? What is something about God, about the Bible, about life, whatever it is that you, you might need an answer to and so the last few weeks, we've been handing out those cards during At the Movies, and y'all have. You've given us some questions, and you've given us some great ones. And so our goal is to have an informative and a helpful time together here today. We have some guidelines that we use. Uh, we've done this series once before where we asked questions, and we'll keep doing it probably as the years go by. So we'll, we'll end up with a you know, more and more questions answered. Um, each time, we have a few guidelines in how we present the answers and how we answer. Here's the first one. The first guideline is, if there is a specific uh, reference in the Bible that deals with that particular question, then we're going to use that Bible, re- there, a lot of times there's more than one, but we'll use at least one to answer the question. Like, here's what's in the Bible about this subject and about this question. And then if if there happens to be not a specific scripture in the Bible, verse in the Bible that that uh, touches that specific subject, well, then we're going to look for a principle that, uh, that talks to it, that, you know, that relates to the question. And then occasionally, there's going to be a question that's just, the, the truth is, the answer's not in the Bible. Uh, for example, you know, what, I said it this morning, what color car should I buy next? All right, that's not in the Bible. And actually, I don't think God cares. But, um, you know, every once in a while there's a question like that. So, if there is one that there's really not a biblical answer to, we're going to tell you what our opinion is. And, but we will make sure that we, we set it up front that, hey, this is just our opinion. And um, you can take it or leave it because, you know, your opinion is just as important as ours. So, uh, everyone, those are usually just the, the funny, light questions that are like that. Now, we, we use the Bible because we believe it's God's book, it's, it's a supernatural book he gave to us. Uh, You know, men wrote it, and God spoke to their hearts, and they wrote things. And it's got a lot of truth about God, about life, about us, and how we can have a relationship with God, how we can live the life that we were actually born to live. And so that's why we use the Bible primarily to answer these questions. And if um, if you wonder about the Bible sometimes, we did a series earlier this year called The Bible, What's So Great About It? And it's on our website, you can go back and listen to that series of messages where we're talking about the Bible and and saying, here's why we believe this, here's why we use this. And we do believe this, that there's actually a Bible, at least principle or a reference to everything important in life. And so, with all that being said, we're going to, let's just get rolling uh, with our first question. And here it is. Number one, why does it seem like a lot of Christians are judgmental? Um, first, let me ask this question. I'm going to ask you guys a question. How many of you have ever come across, known, or been uh, a uh, judgmental person? All right, me too. Right. Um, I'm not going to tell you which one, except I, actually, I, well, I've been all three. So uh, let me start with this. I'm going to give you kind of a two-sided answer to this question. Why, why does it seem like? A lot of Christians are judgmental. Well, it depends on exactly what you meant by that question because um, it, it could be answered a couple different ways depending on your, what you really, really meant, so I'm going to try to hit on both. First, first things first, there, there are absolutes. We believe there are absolutes. There is right and there is wrong. Uh, in the Bible, there's plenty of things that we can see and, and show that, okay, these things are wrong, these things are right. Now, we don't believe that following God, that following Jesus is about a list of rules. That we, that's, not, that's not where I'm coming from. It's not what I'm trying to say. But there are, we think believe, things that are right and wrong. And so if, if the question has to do with, well, you know, everything I do, it, it, the Bible seems to say what I'm doing is wrong, and so you people are just judgmental, if that's the way the question was meant, which I doubt it, but if it was, well, there's really no help that I can give you other than to say there is right and wrong, and uh, it's okay to judge actions and say, you know, to rob a bank, ah, that's wrong, right? I don't think you would think I was judgmental if I told, maybe you would, I mean, if that's been your whole life of robbing banks, but so it's okay to judge actions, it's a completely legitimate thing to do. Now, your attitude behind it is huge. Uh, everything we should do, we should be doing it lovingly. And actually, because we care about somebody, not that, I'm going to get into the second part. So, you know, for example, it's okay to say that lying is wrong. It's okay. It's not a judgmental thing in that sense, but I, I am judging actions. Let me read you 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is a guy named Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament of the Bible. And he's talking to the church, the people that are following Jesus, trying to be, live Christian lives. He says this, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, people that aren't following Jesus, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. So most likely this question came from a person that was inside church, right? Because you had to be here to fill out the card. And so for people that are trying to follow Jesus, it's, it is totally legitimate To say, what you're doing here in this instance, if I have a relationship with you, if you've asked me, it's not really good for me just to go around and knock on people's doors and saying, you're doing this, 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 and this wrong, because nobody will talk to you. Uh, But if you have a relationship, then then that's where you really start to talk to people and say, you know, this right here, this really isn't good. This isn't, you're not going the right way, and it's going to be harmful to you, and so it's okay to judge those actions, the things that are, that, those absolutes, those things that are right and wrong. So if, if somebody that's following Jesus is doing something that's de- destroying life, it's um, uh, hurting and harming, it's okay to lovingly point it out and try to help them with it. With your intent to be, I want to, with your heart really being, I love this person and I sure hate to see this harm. Okay, so that, that's Okay. Now, here's the other kind of the other another part of that or another side to that answer of that question. If the question was asked because it seems like Christian people look down their nose at other people and think they're better, okay, I I understand that too, and and that's a that would be what we we'd say is a wrong type of judging. Um, It's not okay to look down your nose at people. It's not okay to think just because you go to church and somebody doesn't or because you don't happen to do the same wrong things they do that you're better than them. That's, that's not an okay thing. And I'm about to read something about it. And but here's why this happens before we read you what Jesus said. Uh, some people are just mean. And they shouldn't be. Even some Christian people can just be mean and that's not all right. It's not okay to have that, and, and I guarantee that, you know, God's not up there like, yes, I'm glad you were mean today. You know, uh, it's not going to go, it's not going that way. So that's not an okay. It's not okay to look down your nose and think that you're better than somebody else. Uh, everybody uh, on this earth is important. Everybody's life is important. And So let me read you something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 3. And why worry? about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own. Now, I know we don't really talk like that today, but I think y'all get the gist. Y'all understand this, what he's talking about here. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you can't see the, past the log in your own eye? A hypocrite. That's pretty tough. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. See, he's saying it's okay to help somebody. But you don't need to be looking down your nose at people. A Christian shouldn't do that. A person shouldn't do that. So if, if somebody's doing that, let's, let's stop that. Um, it's not a Christian's job to go around on a high horse looking down their nose at folks. Everyone in this room has something in your life that needs to be fixed. Everybody. Everybody sitting in here has got something that, mm, that's, probably, you know, that's probably one of those absolutes that's not good. And we need help a lot of times, but we need to have it fixed. So to, to judge people in that sense and, is, is, and say, mm, I'm better than you because at least I don't do that. Well, yeah, that's not good. So Christians shouldn't do that. Now, if you're guilty of this, uh, and a lot of y'all raised your hand already. If you're guilty of this, I have good news for you. You don't have to do it anymore. And you can say, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for hurting people. Please forgive me for you know, looking down my nose. Please forgive me for thinking I was better than so-and-so or somebody else. I, I got problems of my own. Why am, I, why am I thinking that I'm better than they are? If, if, you've, if you've gone down that road, you can say, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for doing that and help me look at people the right way. Help me look at people the way you look at them. And, and I've had to do this. I have been the judgmental person in every wrong way possible. And I, you know, with, with tears, I've gone to God and said, "God, I'm so sorry, because I don't need, I shouldn't do that. That that's not helpful to anyone. It's definitely not helpful to me." Question number two. Is it okay to be cremated? Um, several years ago, we used to we we did a service at Bayville Nursing Home, actually here in Bay City. And one of the residents there, an elderly woman who she knew she was getting closer to that time of her life where she would pass away. And so she's making all those arrangements ahead of time. You know, making funeral arrangements, making all of that, doing all of those things. And, uh, you know, trying to prepay for things like that. And she came to me one day so worried. Uh, she was, I mean, there was like a look of dread on her face. And she, asked, she said, I'm, you know, I have a minimum you know, or, or very small income, it's fixed, and, and this is all I could afford. I went ahead and made all these plans, and the only thing that I could pay for was to be cremated when I die. And her question was, "Was well, basically, is that okay with God? I mean, you know, am I doing wrong by being you know, cremated? And she was really, I mean, this is a serious question. Whoever asked this question, this is probably a serious uh, question. And so I wanna give you a very very simple answer at first. Is it okay to be cremated? We think yes, I think it's okay, um, and the, let me give you why we think that. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, again, Apostle Paul writing in the New Testament of the Bible. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies, this where I live, this flesh and blood, um, they cannot inherit what will last forever. Now, if we think, if you really, if you spin that out, what happens to my body after I die? Doesn't really make any difference for my eternity uh, because it's just it just it doesn't really matter. And so to be cremated, that that's actually a, an option, and sometimes it's a good option. Uh, everybody probably has their own their thoughts about this. I think closure is important when when you when you when you die when someone passes away. It's it's a good idea to have some sort of hey let's. Let's get together a funeral service or uh, Ed told me he wants to have a party when he dies. He's already told Lori that we just want to let's have a party. Um, you know, some people may be happier than others. I don't know when that happens to him, but <laughs> ha ha. Um, but he, he also said, I was talking to him, you know, we were talking about this question and he said years ago when his mother passed away, it's what she wanted. She said, look, I don't want you to spend all of that, you know, all the money on me for, for a funeral. Instead of doing that let um, just, just do the whole donation. You know, you can actually donate yourself to science. And um, I'm, I'm kind of a clumsy, tall, lanky person, and I'm sure there's some medical issues that science would really like to get a hold of and see. And so I kind of like the idea of just like, babe, when I, when I go, just donate me. You'll get my ashes back. A lot of time, it's just for free. It doesn't even cost you when, when, they're, when they're finished doing whatever they got to do. And um, I'll be happy. Now, some people think, well, all right, but what about uh, in the, if you've been in church a long time, you think, well, you know, there's a rapture and Jesus is coming back. And I know I've read somewhere in the Bible about, uh, you, know, you know, people coming back to life. Well, what if I'm cremated? and my, you know, I don't, like, have my body, my bones and everything in a, in a little box in the, in the casket. Well, um, what's wrong if, what if, you know, my ashes are spread all over the Gulf of Mexico? I think God can still work with that. I mean, if he made the entire world and he made everything, I think he can probably put you back together if, if that's what he needs to do, okay? So that, that's our answer to that question. Number three, um, this is a big, this is a heavy question. We've had this one before. We had it the last time we did this series, and so I'm going to give you a third or maybe half of the answer we gave you last time. And the reason is because the whole answer that we gave you last time about this question is on, the, on our website in the Q&A series from 2016, and it's the third one. It's number three. It's an entire message only dealing with this question. And so if you if you like, hey, I want to hear a little more, I want to get a little, on a little more information than I give you today, then you can go back and listen to that entire thing. It's, it's there ready and waiting for you. And so that's why we're, we're going to give you a, an abbreviated uh, answer. But this is a big deal, and it's a big question, so we're going to answer it again. Um, so... We kind of we kind of took the questions and bundled them, and so one of the one of the main questions that led to us asking, putting presenting this one this morning is it's a question I think it read something like, uh, well, what about homosexuality? And so that was we, we took that, but we also coupled it with some others and group a whole all of this together. So I'm going to give you the whole answer together. So let me me uh, be clear about what we're talking about. Why are sexual issues such a big deal? And we're talking about sex outside of marriage. We're talking about homosexuality. We're talking about uh, having, you know, sleeping with someone that you're not, you know, you're married, but you're sleeping with somebody you're not married to. We're talking about that, too. And the short answer is this. Why are sexual issues such a big deal? Uh, it's because God created humanity with parameters. And he created things in a way and said, this is this the way that I'm creating it, and this is the blessed, this is what I, I, I'm going to bless. And so to live outside of those parameters, which you can do, but to live outside of them, you're living outside of the blessing of God and it's, and it's very destructive and it can be very damaging to your life and, and actually to everybody involved. And so I'm going to use two verses today, kind of a couple of different, I don't know if it's angles, but just a little bit different information on the subject. The first one, it's going to be Paul again talking to the church. The second one is going to be something that Jesus himself said. So if we're going to go with the first one, uh, and here, let me tell you why we're using Jesus' verse here uh, for this answer, and it's because Jesus took the time, or he, he cared about us enough to die on the cross for us, to make a way for us to say, God, I, I've messed up. I need Will you forgive me to get my life right? I want, I want to connect with you. I, I need heaven as my eternity. Um, I, I don't want the other option and so because Jesus did that for us, we're going to listen to what he had to say. I believe what he says, and that, that gives him a whole lot of credibility to me. And so that's why we're going to use, that's why that second one coming is why we're using his answer. Now, but let's start here in 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9. Listen very careful. Just this very first part, surely you know that the people who do wrong will not inherit God's kingdom. This is the heavy answer, folks. This is, this, is, um, this is really strong, really, really strong. He keeps going. Do not be fooled. Those who sin sexually worship idols, take part in adultery. Those who are male prostitutes or men having sexual relations with other men. Those who steal are greedy, get drunk, lie about others or rob. These people will not inherit God's kingdom. Guys, that's a, that's a heavy answer. And I, it, it, it's just like, wow. What it, it's, a, it's a list of simple behaviors, and, and it groups a lot of them together, including sexual issues. And now, let me say this I bet almost everybody in here could, if you went back and reviewed your life from today and any time in the past, you could likely, actually, most likely say, I've done one of those things. Most likely. All right, so they, that, that kind of puts a little bit of perspective on, uh, on this question. It's a pretty straightforward description of how sin separates us from God, of how, how living outside of the way God made us, living outside of the parameters God put on humanity, separates us from Him. It's not, it's not about anything else. It's not about, well, I think this is horrible, or that's bad, or I'm better than you because I don't do it. It's not about none of that. It's just about sin separates us from God. And that's the reason why this is a big issue. It's why it's a big deal. Um, Nothing in that list that we just read that you have there in your notes, not one of those things on that list is worth your eternity. Not one of them. Not one of them is worth saying, you know what, God? I'm gonna have enough fun here. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna do this here. I don't really care what happens later. It is not worth it. Let's go a little further and I'll bring all this together for you. This is what Jesus said. We're going to specifically get down to the, the, the homosexual question, because that's really the question that was asked. This is Jesus' description of marriage. Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 and 5. Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Husband and wife, man and woman, this is the marriage and the sexual behavior that Jesus defined and endorsed, and he made no exceptions for it. Okay, so since this is Jesus' stance, here at Ignite Church, this is the marriage and the sexual behavior that we will endorse, endorse and support with no exceptions. And folks, money doesn't change this answer. Um, politics don't change this answer. Uh, uh, the courts really can't change this answer. They, they can't change it. Um, movements don't change it because it's already been defined by Jesus. Now, don't, don't tune me out. You know, stick with me for a couple more minutes. I want to show you something. We did this last year. We have a box. And imagine with me that inside this, these are the parameters. But imagine with me that inside this box is God's design for sexual purity, for these issues, the specific sexual issues. Inside the box is the way God made it to be, all right? And so Jesus explained that the man is the husband. In just this one passage of scripture, there are more in the Bible. We just, we just pulled out these for sake of time. Um, and then he explained the woman is the wife. And inside this box is God's blessing. It's his plan. It's where you have safety, doesn't mean that there are no problems. There are plenty of people that are, have um, their sexual life is absolutely the way God designed it. Well, there's plenty of husbands and wives in here that have had problems. Uh, and you've, well, or if you haven't, you will, okay? It's gonna happen. You're gonna have issues. Things will happen, they do happen. But the thing is that inside, if you have those issues inside God's parameters, you have relief for it. You have an answer for it. God can help you fix it. Outside of it, you got no relief. Um, Outside this box, you can see in plenty of places through the Bible that there's death, there's destruction, there's pain, there's drama, there's anxiety. It's all outside. That's where all that stuff lives, outside of God's, outside of this little box. Now, there's no relief for it out there. And, And God doesn't want anybody living that way. And so that's really, what this, that's really the, the heart of the answer to this question, is a loving God doesn't want us to be out there where death and destruction and pain and all of those things live. That's not what he wants for you. That's not what he wants to happen in your life. You know, a loving parent would never sit idly by and watch their children wander outside with trying, without trying to tell them, uh, you're gonna go outside, and you're gonna maybe at some point want to do this or this or this, but really, it's not a great thing to cross... You know, I-10 on foot. We don't live on I-10, but what well, heck, downtown Bay City, 35 on foot. I've seen how some of you people drive because I ride with the cops a lot. Um, you would tell your child that, don't do this because it, there's, there's pain involved in that. that. that's not Don't go that way. It's not because you think they're awful. It's not because you think every person driving is awful. It's not because of any of that. It's because you want what's best for your kid. Well, that's that's what we're doing here in, in answering this question. We're showing you the way God made it to keep you uh, where you're not separated from God, so that you actually have answers to things in life. Jesus identified marriage and, and sex. By the way, you can keep reading 1 Corinthians chapter six to be between a man and woman, a husband and a wife. This this box that we're looking at, it's a gift from God. It's a it it's in the life giving plan of God. Outside of that box, it's, it, there's nothing but life-sucking things to suck your life away. Uh, anything, any sexual relation outside of this box is sinful. It is, it's, it's eroding away at your life and it's actually rebellion against God which separates you from him. Now, it detaches us from God and his plan. Uh, this is, again, a heavy answer, so listen carefully. Oh, listen very carefully. Um, even if you go to church every Sunday and you sing the songs and you try to live a good life and you're a good person and you don't really do anything else that's you know wrong or not good um, but you're still living outside of this box, then you're still living in a place that's separate from God. And you wonder sometimes why things go so crazy because you're just trying to be a good person. Well, it's because you're living where all of those other Bad things live. You need to, like, change neighborhoods. Um, I'm going to make a statement here for you guys, and this is a tough one. You might want to write it down, but it's really, really hard. You cannot pursue Jesus and sin at the same time. You can't do it. You can't live a life that's following Jesus and then live a life that's following everything outside of Jesus at the same time. It, It can't. You can't. You can only serve one or the other. Um, that so, so another way this question's been asked, can I just have sex with whoever I want and ask forgiveness so I can go to heaven? I mean, you know, God forgives people. Sure he does. But that, if, that's, if that thought has crossed your mind, here's, here's what you're missing. You're missing a real question that you've got to ask yourself. If I willingly continue to live a sinful lifestyle, have I really chosen to follow God? Have I really chosen to follow Jesus? I'm going to answer it for you. The answer is no, you haven't. You've chosen just to try to be good, and that—that's just trying to be good, is not, that's not where it's at. That's not going to work. Um, you can't pursue Jesus and live a lifestyle of sin at the same time, but the good news is you can be forgiven. If you've messed up, if you're living outside of this box today, you can move into the box. There's room in that neighborhood for you. Uh, God wants to help you. He, he, can he forgive you for staying outside for so long? Sure he can. And he wants to help you get your life going where, where his safety, where his blessing is. And that's what he wants for you. So all of that is why those deal, the, that issue, the sexual issue, is a big deal. Question number four. I'm going to go fast. I know some of you are hungry and looking at the time. So here we go. Is it okay to defend ourselves if our family is threatened? The question really was pretty much, you know, is it okay if somebody attacks me or my family? And they didn't actually say this, but they, they alluded to, what if I have to shoot them and kill them? Is that okay with God if somebody's attacking my family? Is it okay to defend ourselves even if, even if I have to hurt somebody and they die because of it? Well, um, the answer, simple answer to that question is yes, it's okay. It is okay to defend yourself and your family. Let me give you some, some Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. Here's where we get confused as to why Christians maybe shouldn't ever defend themselves. I should just let it happen because we mis- misunderstand this passage of Scripture. Jesus talking, but I say do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. That's the, you know, turn the other cheek scripture that you might have heard. And the, the actual context of the scripture is when, when somebody is mistreating you because you're a Christian, because you're following Jesus, then you, like, you know, that's fine. I'll take it. But there's no reference in the Bible whatsoever that says or that we read or that, that alludes to, you don't need to protect your family if somebody attacks you. You shouldn't do that. Because you're a Christian, you shouldn't do that. That is not in the Bible. Now, we don't promote, you know, violence. Don't go out looking at, did you look at me wrong? I can attack you. you know, that's not, <laughs> we're not talking about that. You know, we told our boys as they're in school, we don't ever want you to start a fight. We don't want you to be, you know, I don't need to be getting called to the, and saying, you were picking on something, you started a fight and you beat people. I'm, I, we ain't having that. But if somebody attacks you, then. You got to do what you got to do. And if you got to beat the dog out of them for it, we'll go right ahead and we, we will support you. And you might think, oh, that's so bad. That's not bad. It's them protecting themselves. Um, uh, so it's okay to protect yourself and your family. It would be a horrible day if that happened. And if somebody broke, broke into my house and they're coming to harm me and my family and I shot them and they died, um, that would be an awful day. But would would God be mad at me for that? No. Um, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't be like, I don't. I don't ever want that to happen. You should never want that to happen. It'd be a really bad day. But yes, you can protect your family if need be, or you know your friends, your family, whatever. Uh, let's keep going. Number five. If I don't tithe, will well, I be cursed? This is actually a long answer, but I'm going to try to narrow it down for you. Somebody has read in Scripture, let me read it to you, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Should people cheat God? Yet you, God's talking, yet you have cheated me. You've asked, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, God? What are you talking about? He said, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. There's more of that Scripture. You can read it. Uh, He goes on to say, hey, you should be bringing your tithes and offerings. You should be doing that. And he tells them the good stuff that happens when you do. Now, the question is, am I cursed because I haven't bring, gave my tithes to God? Well, to bring it into perspective, you can live in one of two places. You can live, it's almost, it's almost, this almost goes along with the whole box, okay? You can either live a life that's in God's blessing or you can live a life outside of it. Those are your two options and everybody in here lives in one of those two places. There's no in between. It's one or the other. And so if I'm not living a life that's blessed because I'm doing what God has asked of me, then I'm living a life that's cursed because I'm, a, I'm outside of what God asked. I'm away from God. It's not that God looks at you and says, you didn't give this week and you're cursed. You know, that's not what he's trying to do. What God's doing is he's looking for your heart and he's giving us an opportunity. He owns everything. Every time you get a paycheck, actually, it all belongs to God. Now, that, that, may, that may strike you a little crazy, but actually, God owns it all. And he says, look, I, if you read through the, through the Bible, we're going to be doing, we've done, and we'll be doing a, a series about this as well. But it, it, he says, I just want 10% of it. And here's why he's doing that, because he's looking for who he can trust. Let me read you this. Luke chapter 16, 10 and 11. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. That's, this is not in your notes. And whoever is dishonest with very little very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Well, God's looking for your heart. God doesn't need your money, but what he, what he needs and what he's looking for is your heart. And if I can give God 10% of what I make and say, God, it's all yours anyway. I know this. You can trust me. Here it is back. No strings attached. Then he's like, I can trust you. And he can trust you with true riches and We'll explain it at the, in, in the series, but here's what true riches are. True riches are people. People are way more important than money, and I'd rather God be able to trust me with people than to have all the money in the world. There are billionaires in this world that have never given a dime to God, and bringing your tithes and offerings to God is not all about, well, I'm gonna give so then I can have more money. That's, that's not what it's about at all. Is that part of God's blessing? Sure, but that's, that's not the issue. The issue is God wants to be able to trust you, and if he can't trust you with giving a dime out of every dollar, then he knows that he can't trust you with people because you, 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 can't, you haven't even gotten that far. So if you've messed up in this area, you can get it fixed. You can say, God, please forgive me for that. I didn't realize that it was more than just about money. I just thought it was just so that the church could stay open. Well, that's how God you know, is funding things, but that's, that's not the real issue. The issue is your heart, and can God trust you and most specifically, can God trust you with people? Next question, number six, last one. How is Ignite involved in world missions? All right, that's a good question. And um, Ignite Church actually gives uses of the tithing principle ourselves and, and the church as a whole. Whatever comes into the church, we give out 10% to, uh, to, to mission work, to things, to ministry outside of the church itself. Uh, we, we support several, and, and I have just a list of a few. We, have, we do some in Bay City. We do some across the country, we do them across the world. We have, uh, here, here's three local Young Life, Coastal Bend Young Life. We support this ministry outside of the church. Uh, South Texas Prison, prison uh, Outreach, where people go into the prison and tell people about Jesus. We're, that's here in, in, in uh, Bay City. We support that. We support... Uh, The Women's Pregnancy Center here in Bay City, and you know every every month we're we're writing checks to help support those ministries. We give to a a ministry in Mexico. It's a missionary that's called Eternal Love. They 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 bring Jesus to like some of you have been. We're talking to remote places in Mexico and telling people about Jesus. The money that you give here at Ignite, ten percent of it's going to these things. Uh, Open Door Ministries. Some of you might know these folks, and I mean they're in they they go. I know they go to Africa a lot. I mean, and there's, I counted this morning, there's 15 different, uh, so world missions, if you, all missionary and and, uh, ministries that we support across the world, and at least 10% uh, of our our income goes there. It will never go below that. That's one of our uh, agreements when starting the church. That's the way this is going to be. We're going to be a church that supports and uses a tithing principle, and we give outside of ourselves to something to 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 ministries that that are outside of Ignite Church. So um, you guys are uh, helping to support some great, great things. Um, Y'all guys stand up with me. Here in just a second when we dismiss, there's going to be people on either side of the stage that are ready and willing to pray for you. If you came needing prayer for anything at all today, they will take the time to personally pray for you. Uh, As we lead into that, let me pray for you uh, all together. Lord, I thank you for everybody in here today. And we thank you that, that, we just thank you that you have great things to share with us and to speak into our hearts. I pray that the things that rang true into each, every, each individual that you said this morning, that that stick with us all week long. I pray that you help us to, to process uh, your answers to these questions and, and help us to apply them to our lives in a way that, that brings us closer to you, where we can live the life that, that you meant for us to have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming today. We will see you next week. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is called.